How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another delayed episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. I was a little under the weather on Tuesday, so thanks to the wonderful last-minute changes by my co-host Dylan Allen, we were able to reschedule our episode to tonight. So this is a special Thursday night football episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. So one, two, Godoy. He's found a great ball in a bolts in plenty of time. He smashes it home and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas in a Now Segber sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there, crosses it. Pineda, the extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and burying aside. All taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal, and it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County of the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how's it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast presented by roughneck scarves we are the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters i am your host ray samora and i am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things orange county soccer club joining me as he does each and every episode from county line coalition section nine not there tonight but that's where he normally sits we've got dylan dylan how are how's your thursday evening it's going pretty well um glad that i'm not currently in section nine I think it'd be a little bit cold wearing a pair of shorts. Um, but yeah, fall is here, right? I mean, the weather's substantially nicer than it was a week or two weeks ago. So enjoying that for the time being. Yes, it's it's the weather is changing. If, if you haven't noticed, if you're not from Southern California, it's changing. I, I swear just a week or two ago, it was definitely really hot. And now it's getting chilly. It's getting cold out there. Um, but before we get into all this fun stuff we always talk about, we also got to welcome our regular co-host this season and hopefully for many seasons to come uh, live and direct, not from San Diego, but from LAX or just outside of LAX, Alan, Alan, how are things going? <laughs> They're doing well. I just got into LA. So uh, hopped on the pod really quick. I'm glad to be here and settled in and get to talk about some Hopefully some positive things, um, but obviously some not positive things. Definitely a little mixture of both. Uh, and so we're going to get right into this because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And we always, like lately, try to keep it within an hour time frame. So we definitely want to try and do that. Uh, before we get into Orange County Soccer Club, we do need to talk about uh, some sad news that broke today uh, around the USL. Uh, and that sad news is the sudden passing of Austin Bold FC player, promise isaac uh the club announced earlier today uh, and their chairman bobby epstein 
had a statement uh, issued out basically stating the greatest loss a team can suffer is not on the scoreboard. It's the death of a fellow teammate. It's with shock and grief that we acknowledge the sudden death of Promise Isaac on behalf of the Bold organization. We wish his wife, children, and family strength and peace as they struggle to cope with his death. Uh, definitely some shocking news. I know, uh, Dylan, I think you were the first out of the three of us to see this on social media, and you got right onto our Twitter account, shared our condolences with not only uh, him, the team, the fans, the organization, his family, uh, but just sort of, you know, it, it, this is something, you know, we're all soccer fans, but life is a bigger thing than a, a game, a silly little game that uh, – players play with a ball and, and teammates out there. So definitely shocking. Uh, Dylan, what were your thoughts when you, when you saw this, this news uh, on social media? Uh, this was the first thing I saw this morning when I woke up. So not super great. Um, kind of opened up Twitter after we get my morning going. And uh, that was the first tweet was, I don't remember whose response to the, um, to the release from Austin bold. Um, a big surprise for sure. Um, I mean, obviously a, f a fit elite athlete and, and just a really sad, um, I mean, event really, there's no other way to put that. I kind of figured it would be something heart related uh, a couple hours later, local Austin news reported uh, a heart attack while working out in his apartment gym. Um, you know, these things are relatively common amongst elite athletes. Um, whole sorts of things while you're pushing your body to the max that could lead to them. Uh, I know the, the players association um, was supposed to meet with the, uh, the owners in the league today. So hopefully this was brought up and, and they work towards some sort of um, testing for arrhythmia, um, something like that, that hopefully means that this is the one and only time that this happens. Um, Definitely. Um, Alan, what about you as far as when you saw this news hit social media today? What were your thoughts? Um, I was definitely uh, shocked. It was, I was just kind of, same thing, I was just kind of scrolling through and you don't expect something like that to pop up onto your news feed, uh, especially someone, you know, as young as, uh, as he was, uh, 31. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty sobering to, to realize that, you know, that, that it can happen just like that. And you, you want to send out your well wishes to the, the Austin bold community um, you played for the Nigerian team. So you want to spend out your well wishes to them as well. And obviously his, his, his family and friends are probably going to feel it the, the worst. And you just got to send out your positive thoughts to them and, um, and, you know, give them as much support as you can through the process. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty shocking. It's, um, it's been a, kind of a week of like that on, on school campus too. You know, we had a choreographer pass away unexpectedly over the weekend and it's just, it, it just kind of shocks your system and it, it leads you to reevaluate some things from time to time and um, make sure that you're, you know, getting things checked out and as much as possible and trying to be in good shape. But when an athlete dies, it's, it's even crazier. Cause you think these guys are in peak physical condition. Uh, so it's always sobering. It's always sad. Um, and then you hopefully you have a community that you can rally around uh, to show support and send love to Austin and that community out there. Yeah. So uh, on behalf of Dylan, Alan and all of us, and I think all the fans here in Orange County, uh, again, our condolences and 
of, you know, prayers go out to not only uh, the family of Promise Isaac and his friends, uh, but also just the community there in Austin and the soccer community in general, because uh, although we like to cheer for our local teams, soccer is this great sport where there's sort of this connection. Uh, when you find out someone else is a soccer fan, you're almost instantly connected uh, from that love of the game. So uh, just as soccer fans, when you see something like this happen, definitely uh, sad. Uh, and again, uh, condolences, wishes out to uh, everyone impacted by this news. Yeah, so it, it, this is sort of tough, we, you know, getting started with that news, but we do want to move on to some other uh, news, and we're going to get into some Orange County soccer club-related news at this point. Uh, we do have to talk about the match that happened this past weekend that, um, uh, you know, I questioned if I should continue my streak, so maybe that put a jinx in all, but uh, my, my streak came to an end. I'm sure Dylan was excited probably cracked open a few beers after he saw that uh that it broke my streak and proved it wrong but orange county traveled out to the tip of texas uh that is what uh, jacob calls the area and they end up losing to rgv uh in what was probably a pretty disappointing match um i'll start off with you dylan what were your thoughts uh on uh, orange county's performance this past weekend in texas it was abysmal. Um, I don't think anyone had a good game. We seem to just kind of push Christian Duke into that um, playmaker role, which I don't think he's particularly well sorted out for. Um, Danny Chrysostomo was was with him, and I thought Danny maybe would have taken that role on. It seemed like he played more of a attacking midfield role um, back at UCI, but he didn't. And I mean, he probably had no more than 10 touches almost the entire game. It was frustrating. Um, defense played poorly. Uh, I think Joe Miko got beat a lot. Everyone looked really slow. I don't know if that's the travel or the, the heat. Um, the humidity, uh, I, it was it was a pretty poor performance. Um, pretty obvious that Aiden Quinn not being in the lineup makes a big difference for the side. Um the loss of Harry Force didn't help either because there was no creativity from further back in the midfield either. Wait, 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 so, hold on, Dylan. I, I got to hear you. What was yeah. that last comment you just said? Yes. I mean, I've been really critical of him in the last month. He's turned it around and, um, you know, he's not been perfect, but he's been a lot better. And, and that's really what we've needed. And it's kind of been um, representative of the entire team's efforts. We're going to drop points. Um, Maybe I should have been, actually, I definitely should have been a little more wary of RGV. Apparently, we can't beat them. RGV took down a whole bunch of sides this year in Texas. I just, I mean, maybe it's a good thing the, the winning streak's over and we got to move forward, but it was a stupid match. It was very frustrating to watch. Um, no one, really no one had a good game. Yeah. Um and while you're talking, I'm going to get to you uh, in just a moment, uh, Alan. But while you're talking, we do have the highlights courtesy of USL Championship Productions uh, for those of you watching on the live stream. Uh, Alan, do you second what Dylan said as far as his uh, thoughts on the match? Or do you have a different uh, thought of what happened out there? Yeah, I thought uh, Christian Duke usually looks pretty confident. There was a couple times where he looked almost like lost. There was like a, a chance for like, kind of like a breakaway three-on-three, three-on-two situation. And he was like holding up play, like he was like, like he could sh like normally we would in that case like attack the goal and like put a lot of pressure on the back line. 
And I felt like he felt a little bit uncomfortable, like he was waiting for more people to join because maybe he's used to sitting in a different part of the field. Um, I, I think Dylan nails it as well as far as like missing a couple of pieces. Um, you know, when you, you get into this routine and you have the same people around you and you trust where they're going to be and you're missing a couple of these key players, um, they definitely did look lost. And um, it reminded me of the Tacoma game a little bit, like just super frustrating. It didn't look like they were in it. The goal they gave up for the first goal was just some terrible defense. Um, they, he just ran at them and scored. It was, and then, you know, by the end of the game, it just felt like they were kind of done and they're like, Hey, we're not going to fight back for this one. So, um, yeah, just pretty overall kind of a disappointing performance. Um, I thought we had a chance, a couple chances early that if we put in, it's a different game, but you know, when you don't, don't finish, it's hard to win. Uh, and you, both you seem to sort of share that this match was very frustrating, probably for the fans more than anything, but you can see that frustration come out in the match, especially there in extra time when probably unexpectedly uh, you or I'm sorry, you expect Michael Orozco to, you know, the veteran that he is know what's going on. Know you're an extra time of a bad loss. No, let's just get out of here. Let's just move on, get home. And, um, and yeah, uh, move on to the next match. You know, you're still in contention for, you know, seeding in the playoffs for the Western conference, but in the, I believe second or third minute of extra time, uh, Michael Orozco went Tasmanian devil, I guess, or I don't know what way, what we can call it here. I know Dylan, you were just waiting, waiting, waiting to, to get into this discussion. So I'm going to start with you, Dylan. Uh, what the heck happened out there? And uh, can you justify at any point in that match, something like that happened uh, as we're heading down to the end of the season? No, I can't. I've been waiting since this happened. I've been waiting since I, I wrote a recap. I've been waiting since Tuesday when you got sick and we had to cancel. Um, Sorry about that. It's okay. It was less disappointing than Michael Rosco's actions in the 92nd minute of this match. That is not captain's behavior. That, I mean, it sucks. It's a stupid play. It's so unnecessary. The game's already over. You don't have to go get yourself suspended. We're in a difficult run of games. That's the most important run of games in the entire season. And you go and get yourself a two-match suspension for violent conduct. He shouldn't wear the armband again. At all. He can be that mentor. And the club has really pushed that he's that mentor for the younger players that they've signed. But I don't want to see him in the armband on the pitch. Um, Kevin Alston's back. Give it to Christian Duke if Kevin Alston isn't fit for 90 minutes. Give it to Aiden Quinn at this point. I mean, Orozco shouldn't be wearing it after something like that. There's no reason to go in high. There's no reason to throw an elbow there. And you know he did it on purpose. You know he knew he was getting a red card because he's running yeah, he his mouth at the ref when he comes off. off. Yeah, he did it and it's walked straight, straight off. stupid. It's probably the worst thing I've seen this season from one of our players. And finally, a deserved red card. But so unnecessary against RGV of all the teams. Like, you can look at Christian Duke as he gets the red card, as, as Orozco gets the red card, and he's got both hands on his head. Probably like every one of the fans... Like, just wondering, why? Why did you do that? There's no need for that. And now you've just screwed your team for at least two more weeks. Yes. So, I mean, who do we put in for him, right? Like, 
Leonardo, Leonardo, right? Who likes to gift the opposing team goals like once a game. We don't have a ball playing defender. Who's uh, our ball playing defender? I mean, do you put Joe Miko as in a center back? Like, no, because he's 5'9. No. no. So <laughs> he screwed us. And that's the worst time of the season, so, probably, for this yeah, to happen. It's so yeah. short sighted. He's 33. He's represented the U.S. what? Almost 30 times. He should know better. And again, like like I mentioned, it's probably the player, you know, the veteran player out there on the pitch wearing the captain's armband. You expect that person to be the most level-headed out there. Understandably, a frustrate a frustrating match for not just the fans but the players out there on the pitch. But you got to know what time of the match it is, what you're doing, and control yourself. Uh, Alan. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you are you just as frustrated as Dylan, or maybe more frustrated, or are you? Maybe I mean, a more common situation. I don't think I'm as frustrated as Dylan because I think Dylan's pretty, pretty like up to 100. Um, percent I've been holding that in for right. five days now. <laughs> it's been uh, boiling. <laughs> I mean, you 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 do see this from time to time in the USL, but you expect it to be like a 21 year old kid like losing his head for a little bit, not a Roscoe, uh, especially with the way that the West is shaking out right now. Like Orange County is game in hand out of fifth place and a point behind Real Monarchs when we play them in a couple weeks. Like this is, you don't jeopardize your ability to get a home playoff game because you're frustrated that a bunch of kids from RGV beat you. Like, take your loss and, like, just show up better next time. Like, I get you're frustrated, but, like, your frustration needs to be at yourself and the team, not these kids who played a heck of a game. I mean, they they stayed with it. They kept fighting, and they it just looked like they had a little bit more in the tank at the end of the game. And, I mean, sometimes you got to tip your hat to uh, some kids who are out there hustling and, they just kind of outplayed Orange County at the end. That's kind of what it boiled down to. Orange County had like 20,000 corner kicks in the second half and couldn't get anything close to a shot on goal, it seemed like. And RGV just kept fighting and put it in when they needed to. Um, yeah, I was pretty disappointed. I didn't see it at first. and It was just a straight red. I was like, oh, dang, because I was looking low at the replay. Like he got maybe he got him low with the cleat, and he kind of did. Um, and then they're like, he threw an elbow. And I was like, I missed it. So I went back, and it was just – I mean, it was just bad all around. Yeah, that last 20 minutes of the match was just, it was terrible. I mean, you got two guys fighting over a ball for RGV and Contour playing them on side by quite a few, quite a few paces. It was, it was just a hot mess for 20 minutes. And that, I think that kind of encapsulated the Roscoe red card kind of encapsulated kind of where the team was. It was pretty disappointing. Um, and I know a lot of the, probably a lot of the players felt just as disappointed and just as frustrated uh, as we are, they're they're out there giving it their all. I think uh, it just it didn't feel like they were they didn't have the killer instinct like they've had in the past couple games. Um, yeah. So now with with four matches left in the season, you're missing out on probably who's been your most solid defender the last maybe month and a half, two months for this team, and it's been a big part of why they've been able to sort of turn the season around. Uh, they got into a nice nice little winning streak there. Uh, you are going to miss him. Uh, for a very important match in, in what a week and a half or a week from now, I think, or less than a week from now, really, uh, in six days 
in Salt Lake City or wherever they play, I, I don't know the exact city they play, but against Real Monarchs, who you're, again, like Alan said, you're battling for position now for the playoff uh, spot. Also, he'll be missing for this weekend's match in just a couple days as Orange County will be hosting OKC Energy FC at Championship Soccer Stadium. So let's move on and let's talk about this upcoming match, uh, what the impact of uh, the loss or the suspension of Michael Orozco is going to be in this match and sort of what Orange County needs to do to uh, turn things around from that disappointing match there in uh, Texas. So I'll start with you, Dylan, in this. Uh, Orange County will be hosting OKC Energy this Saturday. Uh, for anyone that has yet to decide if they're going to go, so a a big match. You, you, again, we've talked about it the last month or so. Playoff positioning is just fluctuating right now. Such a small gap between a lot of teams. Uh, and if you like classic cars or you like cars, there, looks, I think there's going to be some sort of classic. There's some bad show. news, Ray. Oh, what's going on? That got postponed. <laughs> that got postponed. What the car show? Yeah. Okay. So never mind. No car show. Yeah. If you like classic cars, too bad. Still come out though. Still come Still out. Come more out. Soccer. You can look at me instead. One day, when I'm finally aged, I will be like a classic car. People will pay lots of money to look at me. So uh, what are your expectations heading to this match? Can we see a uh, refocused Orange County team? And is the loss of Michael Orozco going to be a major impact for this team? To answer your questions in those orders, in that order, geez. Yes, we will see a probably much better showing from Orange County. Um, 75% 75% of our wins have come at home this year. Um, I mean, you can't really argue against that. Beyond that, um, the energy of uh, scored three times in four matches in their last four. That's it. That's all they've managed. They lost 5-1 at the weekend to Los Dos. So they're not doing great. Um, Deshaun Brown and um, Wayne Gordon scored 19 uh, 19 of their goals that's i think it's like 43 43 and a half percent or something um they're not doing well they are coming on a long away trip um, one of the longer ones in the west i think tulsa is the only further one it kind of everything sets up for an orange county win um based off of that and they need that win obviously and i think coming off of the loss it's no longer, oh, we're going to waltz through these teams that are down on the table. I mean, the energy are in 14th. It's, now we're going to put our heads down, and we're going to play our game, and we're going to beat some team into the ground because that's what we need to be doing at this this junction of the season. Four games to go, it's time to beat every team senseless so that even if they limp into the playoffs, we can go in knowing that we can beat them playing our own game. And let me ask you really quick again, Dylan, uh, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being just horrific, 1 being not so bad, the loss of Michael Orozco uh, due to suspension, where would you put that as far as, uh, I guess, you know, wh- where would you put that, where would you rate that uh, as far as uh, that scale? Uh, for this game, like a 4. I mean, we have a good opportunity against a side that doesn't score that much, um, that's been in a pretty bad run of form, to figure out how to play without Orozco. So that when Wednesday rolls around and we have to play uh, Salt Lake or Real Monarchs in Utah, we know we can defend because they are a team that's in good form. So this is a bit of a test for the defense to figure out how to play with a hole. Perfect. And uh, let me get to you, Alan. Um, I, I think Orange County 
very much missed Harry Forrester and Aiden Quinn in, uh, in the lineup in RGV. Is the return of those two going to be enough to help uh, Orange County become victorious in this match against OKC? Um, I think they're going to need to be. Um, I think this home this home match is really going to set the tone for the last four matches. Um, they're essentially, I think, in my mind, four playoff games. Essentially, um, you're playing. The run in is going to be tough. This is going to, you know, it's going to show you where you're going to be once playoff starts. Um, and I think it's going to be a tough match um, because you're missing Orozco on the back, and I think I kind of solidified that back line. But on the flip side, I mean, you got Frederick Dew, who's been playing really well. Um, Walker Hume, I mean, you got your normal Amico's back, Contour's back, Hume's in there. I, I, I think I agree with Dylan that you, you can probably get by OKC without missing a ton. But, um, yeah, that Salt Lake City match is going to be, I think that's where you're going to miss them the most. Um, I do think getting Forrester back and Quinn back, uh, we can be a little more offensive-minded um, and really kind of push and, and maintain possession like we've been doing. Um, and I think well, if we can do that, maintain that possession, we don't we take that the pressure off that back line. Because uh, if you're not getting attacked a bunch, uh, you're not being tested a whole lot. So I think we need to maintain possession. I think we need to be smart and patient with the ball uh, and build up uh, like we've kind of shown the on our on the six game win streak. I think we need to rediscover that because RGV looked like old Orange County, like for the middle of the season where it was just kind of not great. I think we just need to refine that six win streak. Um, and I do think Quinn and Forrester are going to play a huge role in re reestablishing that, getting you know some leaders back on the field that can uh, hold people accountable and make sure we don't lose our heads. And who knows, you know, the, the loss to RGV um, maybe is a blessing in disguise there because they were on such a nice roll. Uh, if they would have kept that role going into the playoffs, maybe then you start getting to the point where maybe it's a little easy. So you, you, you don't remember what it's like to lose. You get to the playoffs and then maybe you get knocked out in the first round or second round. So maybe putting that loss just about a month before you hit into the playoff portion of the season, maybe that just is what the team needs for just a nice little kick in the behind to know, hey, we can still lose even against teams that are lower table. Uh, let's go out here against OKC. Let's let's show that we are the better team. Let's get this win. And then let's go take on these next three really tough opponents, um, two on the road, one at home, when you got uh, Real Monarchs in Salt Lake City, uh, Sacramento, I believe, in Sacramento, and then the home match against Fresno. Uh, all three of those matches after the OKC match are very tough. So this OKC match is going to be very important for the team to get back on the winning ways, prove that the RGV match was a little bit more of a fluke, and they know that they're a little bit vulnerable if they don't take their opponent seriously. So hopefully that's what we see out of this match. Um, who's uh, who's the most important player on the pitch then in this match for Orange County, Dylan? Aiden Quinn. Seriously, this uh, the energy don't really dominate possession they average 46 percent obsession um yeah aiden needs to be back in demanding the ball the entire game let christian clean up the loose balls um just let aiden get to work and and assist do what he does best perfect and alan um if you agree with dylan that aiden's probably the most important position i mean say let me ask you do you agree with dylan on that uh, thought that Aiden Quinn is the most important player for Orange County in this match. I think he's a important player, but um, I, I think uh, I think Frederick Dew is going to play a big part in this game as well. I think there's going to be a couple of moments where he, he might need to come up big uh, to keep you know keep 
OKC off the score sheet. I know they don't score a lot of goals, uh, but you know, when your center, uh, your center backs uh, might not be necessarily communicating super well because they haven't played together in a, in a minute. Um, I think Frederick Dew is going to be a huge part in making sure communication is good uh, and that the back line uh, knows what's up and uh, can hold together putting someone new or someone like Leonardo who hasn't played in a while. Uh, I think Frederick Dew is going to play a huge part in the back line being successful. Did you mean right, Patrick uh... Dew? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, you guys are never going to let me uh, let that go. Uh, let's do this. Do you guys have any other thoughts about this match before we go into our predictions? Oklahoma sucks. Can you be honest there, Dylan, please? That That's me being honest. A whole <laughs> bunch of family live there. Yeah. I just think it's important that the team doesn't play down to their competition, that they set their own standard and play to you know the standard we've seen uh, when they played El Paso when they played uh, the first, you know, a good chunk of the game against Portland. I think if we play down to them and feel like, hey, we can just, you know, skate through this one and save the energy for SLC, um, Real Monarchs, um, I think we have some problems. But I think if we come in there and play the soccer we know we can play, I think we'll be good. So I just hope that they come in there and, and don't play down to them. Perfect. Alan offered a much better answer. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. Isn't that typical, right? right? Yeah. Um, let's get into the predictions then. I'm going to start off with the person who gives the better answer, I guess, in this situation. We'll go to Alan. Prediction for the match and who is the uh, star of the match for either team? Um, I am going to call a 2-0 victory. Um, and I think uh, Darwin Jones got pretty close last time. I think he uh, I think he puts one in this time. I think he chips it uh, two centimeters lower and, and, and gets a good goal. And what about you, Dylan? Man. Um, you know, I think it's it's time for a resurgence of bully season. I think Mike Michael Seaton's going to gonna nab one. I think he's got to be uh, really hungry for one, especially after last week. So I think it's time for another Michael, another big Mike match. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping for. And you have a score uh, prediction for us? 3-1, Orange County. Perfect. My turn. Yes. Oh. It's the moment I truly hear. I mean, everyone's on the edge of their seats. They're holding What's their Ray going to do? What's they Ray just turn do? the radio up in their car. What's Ray going to do? What's Ray going to do? What's Ray going to do? Do I do 5-0? I do well, if you're asking, then it defeats the purpose. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 4-1 Orange County. Let's go. Let's let's I go back to not the... hearing five. Whoever we're playing now. <laughs> oh, God, oh, come, so on, nice. come on, Dylan. You were actually starting to enjoy it a little bit. No, I'm so glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So um, let's do this. So we've got our predictions in there. Everyone now knows what we think. Uh, share your thoughts on Twitter, on social, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what you think the uh, prediction for this match will be. Uh, so not only the three of us can see it, but the whole world can see what your thoughts are. Uh, let's move on to some soccer news and uh, some really awesome news on the Orange County front. Um, who wants to take this one, Dylan or Alan? What? Good news. I 
Good about news. a about a, uh, a young <laughs> on our squad. Alan. <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, checking out the USL website, just kind of dorking around, doing some research, I guess. Uh, just checking up on the news and saw 20 under 20. Uh, they released it earlier in the week and saw that Aaron Cervantes' name was on the 20 under 20. And then it was like, hey, let's just keep an eye open for to see where he ends up. And he ended up uh, ending in spot number nine. as So he's the ninth best 20 under 20, I guess. Uh, but, I mean, if you've been paying attention for an Orange County for longer than five minutes, uh, you know that this kid is something special. Uh, he came in, he looked a little bit green, maybe the first couple games, but you saw some some glimmers of spectacularness. That's a word. I made it up. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you basically saw him really improve game after game after game. He really came in. He was really working on a lot of things. You saw his confidence improve. And, you know, for the, for a moment, it was just like, hey, he's going to be our number one. He's going to take us to the end of the season. He's going to get us into the playoffs. Um, and he, I think he's a huge part of kind of the solidification of Orange County this year and really put them on the path to be really successful. Him, you know, McLean leaves. There's a question mark. You know, is a 17-year-old kid going to be able to hang? And he, I mean, he came through uh, time and time again. Uh, he won the Save of the Week twice this year. Um, a 17-year-old, by the way. I yeah. mean, this is someone that literally is still supposed to be in high school, still learning, still uh, doing homework and whatever you teachers nowadays do, uh, Alan, for, for the youth. I mean, I can't even picture what I was doing as a 17-year-old. I think I was ditching class and, uh, uh, you know, just sort of messing around. Uh, I definitely was not taking uh, a professional soccer career uh, seriously or whatever you want to say. I, I was being a 17-year-old. I wasn't being a professional athlete. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, you, you see the way he carries himself. Like he, there's a few times where it's like, yeah, he, he's still a kid when you get up close. But the way he carries himself on the pitch, he doesn't feel, he doesn't look like a 17 year old. Like I work with them all the time, and you get like maybe one or two of those kids. But just the way he carries himself, he fits right in with these, you know, this professional attitude. Um, it's just the body language, the way he communicates on the field. You just look. I mean, he has all everything about him. He's just got to keep getting better and keep improving. And he's going to get tons of opportunities, I think, to to showcase his talent. I mean, he's uh, was on the U-17s. Um, and I think he's, you know, it's, I think it's what his, his job to compete for in the future. Um, it's a name you're going to see time and time again, I think, um, in, involved with the U.S. international team. But as well as, I, as USL for the time being, but I don't think USL is the, the top of his uh, abilities. And if not for a call up to the to the U seventeen U S team, he may still have been the starter. Who knows what was in the works with uh, Frederick Du? Uh, I know at some point there it was seen you're going to need another goalkeeper because Aaron Frontis is going to get called up to play with the U seventeen team. And uh, as much as you maybe would like to see uh, Carlos Lopez succeed uh, with the team, uh, I don't think there was much confidence from not just fans, but probably the coaching staff that he would be a reliable number one for a team fighting for position in the playoffs. So with that, the team brought in do uh, 
because uh, you needed to. They basically had to bring someone in that can fill the gap. You bring him in. He is just amazing once he joins the team and, and hits the starting lineup. Uh, so now you're in that question. Do you keep going with you? Do you let Cervantes have another match or two? Uh, I think it's smart to stay with the goalkeeper who's going to be pretty much guaranteed to be able to lead you through the playoffs because regardless, you know, you don't know what's happening with Cervantes uh, potentially you know, playing in the, um, what is it, the World Cup or whatever's going to happen or or however that works out. So a uh, tough situation for him in that sense, but I think what he did this season is what led to him being called up to the, to the U.S. national team there and well-deserved for him. And like you said, uh, Alan, probably not the peak of his career in the U.S., so he'll probably move on to bigger and better things. But the amazing thing is it's – He's someone that developed through Orange County, uh, and it seems like they're they're going to start with the success of him. I think that opened the door to what Orange County wants to see with more young players from the area that they're that they're bringing in, like we saw with uh, Francis Jacobs, and then they also just signed uh, someone that was playing with Atlanta too, I believe. I forget what his name was. Uh, if either of you can remember off the top of the head uh, who that is that they brought in, but another youngster. So they're starting to bring in some youngsters with the hopes that, and this is what any lower league soccer team needs to do is you look for local youngsters that hopefully become this diamond in the rough. You can develop them, move them on and, and make a nice little profit off of them. Yeah. Caio um, Lopez and um, Cervantes, I think are going to, and Jacobs as well. I mean, the club's sticking around for a while and it, it's, you know, these guys are going to develop here and that's wonderful. Um, and hopefully we get to see, them develop on the pitch as well in the next couple of years. But beyond that, um, you know, the money that they'll, they'll make from the sell-on should be really good. Um, and, and hopefully this becomes a bit of a hotbed. Um, you know, I mean, maybe so it's in California. Point, I mean, you have tons of soccer talent down here. So yeah, but for development at least, um, and hopefully it shows, you know, some of these really talented teenagers, you don't have to go the MLS route. You don't have to waste away in a reserve side where you never really get your never really get your chance in the first team and, and just fade away with a contract at 20 or 21 years old and you've got nothing to show because you've been pulling 40 grand for a couple of years. Um, you know, maybe you could develop and, and you get your shot in the first team and a, a team comes calling um, and, and then you get your, your big shot um, a couple of years down the line while still going to be a person. I think that's huge. And I think if we look at, Cervantes' impact, that's probably why guys like Caio and Lopez signed here is they realize that there's a future for them at the club. Good take there, Dylan. Um, and, and you sort of said the comment, if we're still around, I guess. Uh, so that's going to lead me to what I want to talk about next. And uh, since our last episode, some recently, I guess a few days ago, some news broke. I, I think our BGN friends uh, from Foxtrot Pod sort of mentioned this on a, on one of their recent episodes or their most recent episode. So now it's sort of circulating social media. And that is Fresno FC, uh, who is currently sitting second, I believe, in the Western Conference. And I guess there's a really good chance that they might not be around next season, which is, I guess, really scary as just a, a soccer fan. Uh, and, and especially if you're a soccer fan in Fresno, knowing that you have a pretty good team this season and they might not last um, what are your guys' – I'll start with you, Alan. Uh, what, is, what are your thoughts on this? Is this uh, a bit of a surprise, or are you, are you looking back at the bigger picture now? It's Fresno. Can a city like Fresno really support a pro team? Nothing against Fresno, but, I mean, you got to look at it in, in the fact of 
Fresno compared to say a San Diego or something, you don't have as big of a, a base to draw fans from. So what are your, just what's your overall thoughts on that, Alan? Yeah, I saw that report and it's, it's pretty stark to think about a team that is successful um, as Fresno this year. I mean, they've had their ups and downs. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of picking them out of the playoffs this year. So I think a little bit of a surprise that they were as popular. Um, I saw some comments regarding like maybe the ownership felt that they weren't getting a good return on their investment. And that's always tough to hear because you would hope that, I mean, obviously it's a business and owners want to have some form of return on investment, but on the flip side, you also want to, you hope you have investors that are willing to, you know, continue to build the brand, uh, put some resources in to bring in consistently good teams uh, and then people will show up to watch it. I mean, I think that's it, what it boils down to is, you know, you look at these cities that have really traditional market or these old school traditional teams like uh, Detroit City who plays in MPSL, I think, um, that they're able to bring crowds in. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a necessarily a, a, a commentary on USL specifically, um, but it's it's a reminder that, hey, if you have a local team, like support your local team because there's no guarantee that they're going to be there the next year. Um, you know, you would hope that League Two status kind of gets rid of some of those those issues. But, I mean, even in the MLS, they're like, Columbus was mo- going to move to Austin. Like, you, you're never guaranteed that your team's going to stay. And so if your team's doing, doing the right thing, you gotta you got you to gotta go out there and support your team uh, to make sure that, that your community has that pathway to the pros, if you will, to borrow USL line. But it's, it was, I was surprised I, that would, if I had to pick a team that was not going to make it to next year, it was definitely, what was going to be Fresno. Uh, let me ask you Dylan on this. Cause uh, in my mind, anyone that's coming in as an owner or potential owner for a USL championship team has to know probably your first few years are going to be a struggle to uh, sort of get your niche in that com- local community, get a fan base going. I get it. Fresno has had this sort of underground uh, soccer fan base going back many years, but it's different when you go into this professional atmosphere where you're having to pay players uh, money to play for you. You have to find venues that uh, the league is going to find acceptable for that. So coming in as a, as an owner, Fresno, this is what their second season, I believe in the USL championship. So coming in as an owner, is it, is it sort of, I let's, I'm just going to be blunt. Is it stupid to come in as an owner and think within the first couple of years, you're going to be profitable. You're going to have the city bowing to your every desire or do owners need to come into this with a little bit more realistic head and say, I get it. I'm probably going to lose money. Maybe the entire time I'm an owner, if not just for the first, at least five years or so. What do you think Dylan? Uh, yeah. I mean, look at what happened with um, like Barry FC and Bolton. What, a month and a half ago? A month ago? Um, had to have been like a month ago. They've been around for <laughs> forever. Yeah, 130 <laughs> years. Um, you don't buy a club because you want to make money. That's not why clubs exist. Clubs don't make money. If you wanted to buy a club and you wanted to make money, go be a part owner in MLS. Go buy a professional baseball team. Um, go, don't buy it a soccer team. Basically, don't buy a lower division soccer team. Um, you're going to do it for the love of the game. I guarantee you if you ask James Keston, are you making money off of this team? I'm sure he would tell you he's probably not making money off this team. And he doesn't seem to mind. Um, you know, He wanted to be a part of the Sounders 10 years ago. 
and here he is now. He owns us. Um, he's put a lot of money in and a lot of time in. And he's probably taking a loss on that, but he loves this team. I, mean, and I think that's why you have to buy it. I mean, if, if you're going to be an owner, you have to do it because you want to own a team. You want that to be your legacy. Um, pulling out after a couple of years because you play in a crappy stadium um, and you can't get, you know, you're getting 3,000 out of a possible 500,000 people for, for in your city to show up to your matches. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I've been to Fresno the two times that we've played them in Fresno. And at the last September, I was talking to a woman sitting in our section from Fresno. And she was saying, uh, she's a hairdresser. And, you know, the players come to me and the players really want to see this team succeed. And it's a good amount of the same players, um, like the Juan Pablo Cafas, who are the twilights of their career, but still quality players. Um, guys like Christian Chaney, who are from Fresno. That's their hometown club. And you get the opportunity to play um, the highest level of soccer that you can in your hometown. That's got to be pretty special. Um, and if you're a local owner, I mean, you have a chance to improve the place you live in. And that's why these guys should be buying. Uh, that's why these guys should be buying teams and buying teams and starting teams and not to make money. It's stupid and short-sighted. Yeah. I mean, you look at the investment that Phoenix has made in their team in the past two years, and you look at their attendance numbers, and you look at the quality of play on the pitch, and you look at what that's done for that com that soccer community, and like that's what you hope that your owners can bring is that they make it exciting to get to the games, and then you have that community, and then that community gets you to get to that next game. Like, uh, you know, I I brought Dylan to a soccer match last year. And like part of the reason I liked going, the, the, the game was fun and it was entertaining, but it was that chance to see that group, to see that friend group, to be a part of that family. And, you know, when you would, when you invest in a sports team, like a USL team, you're hoping to build that community and you want your owners to be willing to put that investment and maybe take a loss or put more money in at the beginning to get that return of investment as opposed to, I expect this return of investment because I'm buying it. Like I think it should be the other way around. And you look around the USL, the ones that are drawing those, the the fans in, the ones that are doing a good job, are the ones that have like a complete investment into the team to make the to both what's happening on the pitch and what's happening off the pitch a quality experience. And I've seen some improvements with Orange County this year for sure. And I think um, you know you definitely can. We've seen some outreach and some attempts to build that community in Orange County. And, you know, it's it, once you make it an exciting thing to be a part of, people will show up. Um, and, well, let me let me ask you yeah. this really quick, Alan. Who are, who are, can you name, like, what are the teams that you're, in your opinion, are sort of doing it the right way? I mean, and in the, in the West, I mean, I think the way that New Mexico kind of started um, and the way they kind of tapped in their community has been great. Um, in League One, like Ford Madison's social media campaign this summer was phenomenal. And you just look at what they do for their community. Like they were ba they baked cookies and delivered tickets to their season ticket people who were who <laughs> renewed. Like they went to their house, the players showed up, they brought cookies. Like it doesn't have to be this like. But did they eat the cookies? Ideas. Did they eat the cookies with their fans? That's the I, big question. I did not see a video of that, but I mean. <laughs> When you, when you look at some of these teams, it, it's not necessarily always about like every game you have to win, but you start to create this, these, this brand 
Um, you know, FC, uh, Cincinnati, although, uh, did not enjoy their fan base. I mean, the community they built. Louisville's always really good. Tampa Bay's kind of always have that that fun environment. Uh, Saint, I think there's parts of St. Louis that are that are pretty successful. Um, I think I just named like almost every not two team, <laughs> almost yeah. every not two team. I but mean, I, I think I, India's doing a good job too. Yeah, and you just, I mean, you see it, you see it. I, I hate to like have people go on Twitter, but you see it on Twitter. It's like. There's there's soccer communities that that really kind of rally around each other, and it's you know when they're not playing, they still have that community of banter around them. Um, that is, it's, it's just infectious, and then that breeds success, and then your teams are good, and you get to brag about your teams a lot. And um, I, I I would hope that Fresno um, continues to play. There, uh, I I enjoy what they do. Um, and they're a reasonable road road match. I know it's, it's right. not it's not the One shortest of the trips, ones. but it's reasonable. <laughs> It'd be the yeah. third shortest next season. Can I say this, Alan? Uh, I don't know if you did it on purpose or not, but you probably angered a bunch of Phoenix fans by not mentioning what Phoenix does as a team to try and uh, get that community uh, involvement there. But I'm not going to say you did it for any specific reason, or if it was just you were thinking of all the other awesome teams. Um, I mean, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I can only say so many nice things about Phoenix. Because um, if Still. I say too many nice things, I butterfly mean, garden. Gotta, yeah, you got to balance things out. I mean, you know, it's hot as heck there, and I don't know why anyone lives there. Um, and the rest of their sports franchises are terrible. Um, so it's a miracle that you have this like glowing object of good sports in Phoenix. And I hope San Diego can get there someday. Um, but. Yeah, you just look around the league and see that te- there's teams out there really trying to hustle and do a good job. Um, yeah. And, and you, you hate to see teams talking about folding, especially a team that's having such a successful run as Fresno is. And you hope, you, you hope that this isn't like a shadow over them and that they have a good run up to the playoffs except for their last game. Uh, and <laughs> you know, Yeah, it, don't ruin it, my birthday, Fresno. Right? Do it for me. Do it for me. Um, any other soccer news either of you want to talk about before we uh, wrap things up? I, I really hope you slept through the Tottenham match on Tuesday. <laughs> I really, I really hope you did. Okay, so it sounds like we don't have any other soccer-related news to talk about. So let's. You're right. That was a murder. I'm sorry. We're not. <laughs> this isn't a crime podcast. Our, you guys can go listen to Serial. Let, wait. Let's move on to our. I, I do. I, I do have to give props to Red Bull Salzburg, um, and what they were able to do at Anfield was pretty darn impressive. Uh, they're a super cool young team to watch. Uh, they're, uh, I believe their coach is American. And like, we decided we didn't want to have him come over and coach the U S men's national team. We decided to go with Greg Burhalter for some reason. Um, but if you get a chance to watch that game back, like, again, it just shows that, you know, youthful exuberance and, and playing all the way to the end of the game, you, I mean, sometimes you can topple giants. Uh, they got close, but um, yeah, it's, it's good to see American coaches being successful. And it's really fun to, I was like, even though I was angry that they were scoring, it was impressive to see some of these young kids uh, get out there and, and go toe to toe. So champions league is always great unless you're Tottenham. Yeah. I All think right. hopefully <laughs> go, go the way that, that um, Salzburg is run is how orange County starts to be run where you take, um, 
some more experienced players who got passed up by bigger clubs. You take a bunch of young players who are looking to to prove themselves um, on a big stage and, and move on to the bigger clubs, and you throw them together. And um, rather than you know like pulling a Vegas and saying, "Oh, you guys are the rejects. No one wants you," prove them wrong. You you build an identity with that, and and you support them to try and get them out of your club. You try and raise them to a to a bigger club or to a bigger league. Hopefully that's how Orange County ends up working out. And I think that's kind of the way it looks to be going is we're not going to sacrifice um, our quality or our philosophy on that. Perfect. Um, let's uh, let's get to our uh, wrapping up of this episode uh, by getting to our random thoughts of the evening. I'm going to start off with Dylan. What is your random thought for this evening? Okay. Um, you know, it's always something to read. And this is an article from the New Yorker um, from this month's issue. It's called Abandoning a Cat. It's just memories um, of this of this guy's father. Um, it's, it's really nice. It's a really nice read. Um, you can actually listen to it because um, it's a bit longer. So if you want to listen to it, it's like a 40-minute read. They speak so slowly uh, when they do the reading. So, mm, you know. Maybe worth it if you're driving or something. Um, other than that, I would challenge everyone to to throw themselves back to the late 1980s, listening to "Flowers" by the Talking Heads. I, um, God, I love that song. It's so good. Yeah, that that is it. That is it for me this week. <laughs> Alan, what do you got for us? Um, I have been really enjoying listening to Lizzo lately. Um, it's like ear candy. Um, but my random thought of the day is to encourage all of you guys to find some local artist, musician, comedian, somebody to go support, uh, with all the talk about, uh, supporting your local sports. Um, it's always good to think about the, uh, people who are creating art in your community as well. And, um, you are, you took a DNA test, Dylan. Um, and, and go find something local to get involved in a local band, a local comedian, because uh, people are out there hustling uh, to create some good stuff for us to enjoy in our ear holes and our eye holes. Uh, so find something nice yeah, and drink a local beer or a local cider and enjoy some local art being created in front of you. So what? Don't go and shop on Amazon or at Walmart and yes, drink don't do these things. and... Um, you know, listen to whatever's on the billboard hot 100. You actually saying, go out and find well, other stuff. Those things are fine too. Like there's, <laughs> I mean, Dylan will definitely disagree. You could still do Amazon is terrible. Things. That's not also okay. True. But well, there I, goes our chance of Amazon ever sponsoring our show. They, we have Dylan. morals, Ray. We couldn't do that, <laughs> but go, go find something local to enjoy as well. Mix it up. <laughs> All right. That's your Thank community. You. Those people deserve your love. Thank you. Gentlemen, Ray. On that. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen, on that. Uh, my random thought, uh, again, we're recording this on Thursday evening right now. It's almost 9.30, so in about a half hour, a little over a half hour, Clippers preseason basketball starts. I'm going to try and get this wrapped up, get my uh, get everything wrapped up, edited, up on our website for, for uh, going to podcast form uh, so that I can go then watch some basketball live from Hawaii um, and see this new – Clippers team get started. 
So I, I know this is a soccer podcast, but anyone that has been listening knows I'm a huge LA Clippers fan. That's where I got my start in sports media was covering the LA Clippers. Uh, I've been following the team since the eighties. So, uh, Hey, I'm excited about it. So go Clippers clip nation. And yes. And you know, Alan lives in an area where the Clippers used to play. So, uh, he should enjoy, he should love the Clippers. So do I. Where do you live? They used to play at uh, Ponda. So you live in Anacrime? I do not live in Anacrime, thankfully. Okay. Thankfully. <laughs> All right, uh, really quick, uh, Alan, social media, let us know. A Underwood 48 on the Twitter machine. Dylan. You can find me on Reddit slash U slash OCSE underscore Dylan, or you can find me on Twitter at OCSE underscore Dylan. Perfect. You can find me on Twitter at o, at DJ Ray Samora. You can find the podcast on Twitter at OCSE underscore SoccerCast. You can find our website, OCSCPodcast.com. Uh, or if you like to type a lot, OrangeAndBlackSoccerCast.com. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and your favorite podcast source. Uh, this is going to wrap things up uh, for Dylan, for Alan. This is Ray, the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Oh, Thanks to our sponsor, Gruffneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.